Welcome to Hey Joe, a podcast answering questions asked by our listeners. Created by pet professionals for pet professionals. And now, your host, Hey Joe's very own, Joe Zuccarello. What's up, everyone? Joe Zuccarello here, and welcome to Hey Joe, a podcast brought to you by Paragon School of Pet Grooming. Check out our site at paragonpetschool.com for lots of really cool information on a variety of programs, products, and to connect to educational resources such as webinars, podcasts, current events, special news, certifications, and lots of other helpful information to help you grow yourself, your team, and of course your business. Let's get started with this week's episode. Hello everyone, this is Joe Zuccarello, your podcast host for the Hey Joe podcast. This is a podcast where you get to listen in on a real coaching call between myself and an expert in our industry. We're answering questions all of the time that we get from you, our Hey Joe listener audience. And most of the time, those questions start with, Hey Joe. So today we have a very special guest for you. We are talking with Terry DiMarino. Terry is a 35 year plus veteran of the pet styling industry. She's owned and operated some very large and successful businesses, uh, South Florida and various other places. She is a popular speaker, a judge, a master of ceremonies. Uh, she works uh, trade shows and providing her expertise are really all over the world, United States, Canada, Europe, South America, you name it, she's probably been there. If they provide professional pet grooming, Terry is usually a, 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 a featured presenter and judge. Um, one of her most recent claims to fame, though, however, is really the topic in which we're bringing to you today on our podcast, which is legislation. So when the state of California was faced with some anti-groomer legislation, Terry really helped to rally the troops. She helped rally groomers uh, from around the state to defeat the legislation and actually to form an association where she serves as the president. She's going to tell you a lot about that and some really cool standards uh, that have been created as a result of her efforts. So without further ado, let's start our interview with Terry DiMarino. Terry DiMarino, thank you so much for hopping on a Hey Joe podcast with us today. Our listeners are in for quite a treat. So thanks for taking some time out of your crazy busy schedule to join us today. Thank you, Joe. It is my pleasure. So as I had said in the introduction, Terry is just a wealth of knowledge. And really, if you were to, to, to look at it in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a creative sort of way, Terry is like the tip of the spear when it comes to information and the greatest uh, amount of knowledge when it comes to this, this tricky topic of legislation or regulation or government intervention or, you know, all of the things wrapped around uh, 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 this, this standards of grooming. Terry, tell us about yourself and tell us what's going on in your world. Well, I've been in the grooming industry for uh, 46 plus years, and the uh, last 20 have been in, uh, out here in California. I had a big salon in, in Florida and uh, ran it like anyone else would run a salon. And then coming out here, uh, California, of course, is the vortex of the world in tough legislation, as you can probably imagine. Um, and... About six years ago, well, when I first moved out here, there was a bill in West Hollywood that I got drug into, 
to uh, work on a little bit with the people. So that was kind of my initial bath into legislation. It got quiet, and then about six years ago, there was a bill, SB 969, Senate Bill 969, that came on out, which basically would have devastated the California grooming industry. They were calling for licensing. When that didn't work, they called for certification. But there were so many subtle nuances in that bill or not in that bill that needed to be that um, – that it would have been bad for the whole industry within the state and it would have become contagious throughout the country. This was my bath of fire on education of myself on the legislative process. And you didn't have a Terry DiMarino back then to help you out, did you? No, but I did have a Judy Breton and I did have several other people. Uh, interestingly enough, when this came to light, Judy Breton good friend of mine and also in with the grooming industry for years. She's up in Sacramento. She got wind of this. And the ground zero for this actually was down in my end of the wood in, near Palm Springs. And Judy is up in the Sacramento up north. She said, we have got to defeat this. I need your help. And the two of us pounded the halls of Sacramento and uh, we called PJAC, which is the Pet Industry Joint Advisory Council. And that is, for those who don't know, that's our lobbyists for the pet industry, not grooming, pet, okay, the entire pet industry. And their reaction was, we don't have groomers on the radar. We support pet shops. So this was kind of a rude awakening to us, but it was to them, too. It hmm. was to them, because at that time, too, they had lobbyists that were being paid for by the big corporate stores working on this bill. So they saw a need for what we ended up calling the uh, these green, green, uh, grassroots groomers. And because we had to, had to organize ourselves, we had to get ourselves together because PJAC was not, they declared they weren't gonna be able to help us because they didn't know we existed. They were working with corporate. Well, what happened was this became a marriage because they needed our help. We had the grassroots groomers. We had the 80%. They were the 20% with the deep pockets. So when people say, gee, corporate groomers are going to control all of this, they're really not. We're all in the same bed together. And they realized this, and it was with their help and us helping them that we really got the education in the, what happens in the background of legislative process, politics at the raw form. And they needed our voice. So it really worked. We worked together and we ended up defeating the bill. Well, congratulations on that, which it sounds like it was a lot of pioneering, right? A lot of learning on the fly, a lot of support, a lot of uh, uh, extensions of olive branches, right? Uh, and, 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 and awareness. And so let's take, so let's take a half a step back and, and, you know, you're using the word legislation. So let's kind of talk about legislation. And I know that, that if we don't get educated about legislation, it's a big, it could be very scary. So, so why, why Terry, in your opinion, do we need legislation? I know some of my Hey Joe listener audience out there is like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We don't need legislation, but you, you kind of look at it from a different perspective. So why do we need legislation? And really, why all the hype on this anyway? Why, why, is, it, why is it even a thing? Well, 
we, we inadvertently we deal with legislation every single day of our lives when you, when you really have to think of it. When you get in a car, you have dealt with legislation. You have had to take a test, you have had to study, and you get a license. It gives a source of accountability if there's an accident. All right, now that, that's pretty much a, a very um, everyday look at legislation. We've got legislation governing, governing uh, the chemicals we use, the gasoline we put in our car, uh, the things we use, our dogs, legislation. You have to have rabies shots on them every three years. So we inadvertently deal with legislation on a daily basis. So this should not come as too much of a surprise to us when we have someone wanting to regulate our industry. Now, it, legislators act on what they hear. And think about it. They don't hear about the thousands and thousands of dogs that are groomed safely on a daily basis. They hear about the one dog that got injured or worse. They hear about somebody not liking a, a haircut. They, 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 they react to their constituents, to the voters. And it is a reactive. And this was what happened with the 969 bill was a dog was supposedly had gotten injured in a salon. They found out that there is no regulation, that there's an unregulated industry. A couple of high-powered attorneys got their fingernails into a, um, uh, a legislator, and they proposed a bill. And, of course, us groomers come along and saying, we don't want this. We become reactive as opposed to proactive. We, of course we react. We don't like it. We want to kill the bill. But legislators are still working because they had a complaint. They had a constituent, a voter, one of the people that pays taxes and puts them in office, say, we need this. So what they would come to us say, how can we make this better? What's wrong with it? What would you like to see? And at the time of 969, we had nothing. We had nothing, so we were really, as you said, we were working on the fly there. So this was actually the, the uh, impetus for the PPGSA standards, which uh, the Professional Pet Groomers and Stylists Alliance, we drew up after this whole debacle was over, we drew up the standard for safety, care, and sanitation, we put together 13 agencies across the United States, including the California Professional Pet Groomers Association, which was once again a child of 969. Um, we've realized I'm bandering back and forth. I see what I'm doing here, but 969 really gave birth to a lot of things, and the California Professional Pet Groomers Association <clears throat> and the PPGSA were two of them. Okay. And uh, along with the corporate grooming salons, uh, the um, all of the certification boards, National Dog Groomers, IPG, ISCC, the two cat groups, corporate, several clubs, uh, we put together these standards, and it took us about a year and a half to hammer them out. But all it is is common sense on paper. We're not telling anyone or suggesting how anyone should style a dog. We don't care what your top knots look like. We just care that you're running a clean safe business. That's it. So, so when you're talking, and I want to, I want to unpack the PPGSA standards of care uh, in just a little bit, but I, I still want to maybe just camp out just for a little, just for a few more minutes on the legislation, because I think it just tells, right. it, it, it tells a really good foundation of the why, right? So, you know, when I'm looking at it, I'm sure that, I'm sure that not only our Hey Joe listener audience out there, but groomers all over the country are 
uh, and I kind of uh, I kind of hinted to this earlier. They're afraid of it, right? But we're afraid of things that we don't know or that we need more education on. So, will will legislation hurt the average groomer? And should they? Is it something to be fearful of? So maybe maybe address a fee, the fear factor. Absolutely. Fear, we're always, as you mentioned, very well stated, we're always afraid of what we don't know. And one of the big problems that we have on just personal levels is that we are unfamiliar with the legislative process. And that's one thing we do have to educate ourselves on. Uh, legislation in itself, properly written, would actually benefit the grooming community. Uh, now, mind you, I'm talking legislation. I did not use the word licensing. I did not use the word certification. I did not use the word registration. These are almost like three different levels that legislation could possibly take, one being a little more strict than the next, so uh, than, the, than the aforementioned. So these are things that we have to look into. Legislation uh, would be hairdressers are, are, uh, are regulated. And just like your driver's license, you know it's illegal to run a red light because you took a test, you studied. So if you run the red light, you're going to get a ticket or worse, you'll suffer some nasty ramifications. With the grooming licensing or regulation, if someone who passes the certification and further goes into state legislation where they have to have, say, this certification, this gives an accountability to the consumer. That's it. This groomer knows they took a test. They've been informed that it is not safe to walk six feet away from a dog on a table or leave a dog un unsupervised in a bathtub. They know that. And if there is an accident, they can go back and they have accountability for their actions. Right. It and I think the groomers that it might scare uh, 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 the most maybe so as we start to get educated we get less and less afraid of this but maybe the groomers that it scares the most are the folks that may need some sprucing up on their procedures or on their on the way that they perform their daily tasks so what's really great about it is is that hopefully what it does is it brings light to areas where some groomers need to improve and and I hope do improve um, but it also rewards good behavior of groomers or operators that already do it above, even, even above the standards that you're talking about. I couldn't agree more. Uh, it will, we, we tend to get a little casual in our habits. Justin, I keep going back to the driving. How many times we've become a little casual with our driving habits. So don't see anybody coming and do a rolling stop. We don't do the total stop. We become a little eased on up. We need to recognize that every single day we have to be on point and we have to, you know, we have to, um, uh, you know, do what's best for the dog. So uh, this would come with, as I mentioned, accountability and making sure that people know what is right and what is wrong. So let me ask you a real quick question then. So obviously you're in California and, uh, you know, so when we're talking about legislation, is, is, is legislation really coming in your opinion is it really coming is it going to be something that sweeps the country is it or is it just a lot to do about nothing in states that are traditionally extreme examples anyway no i don't think it's a matter of if it's a matter of when and we said this 25 years ago and we almost got lynched for it because people just did not believe that this could ever possibly benefit the groomers in any way shape or form uh 
and legislation will come in different forms. There are already a couple of legislations in place. I believe Colorado is the only state that does have a groomer licensing bill, and it is fairly casual. It is not uh, super strict. It's more like a registration, which is kind of like a lowball because you've got uh, on that, that triple threat, as I mentioned, the first would be your licensing, the second would be a certification, uh, the lower, more kind, gentle would be a registration, and Suffolk County, New York has a registration. New York State actually has a bill on the uh, docket that would call for a registration. Others, like New Jersey, go the other extreme. They're wanting a licensing, and that particular bill will come to life again in November. So we're watching this very carefully. They want a very strict licensing with a very strict testing, and there are a few other things attached to it. Now, one of the things that that bill is not taking into account where we're working is they're not giving consideration to the groomers who have already gone through certification processes. And that is that middle sector that we would like to see take place. A certification, be it from a, an accredited school who is teaching according to the PPGSA standards or running a test, passing a test, say like the American Kennel Club Safe Salon Test something like that, or IPG or ISCC. We want to see a grandfathering for those. Just because I've been grooming for 45 years doesn't mean I should have the right to be grandfathered in because I could be doing it wrong or unsafe mm -hmm. for the last 45 years. So we want to see people current. We want to see people that have taken some sort of test. While we respect the longevity of a lot of groomers, it's just not enough in some areas. And once again, we have to have accountability to the consumers because if it was not for the consumers, none of us would have jobs. So Terry, you know, uh, what, I've, what I've heard you said is, listen, it's not a question of if, it's just when. And I've always, I've always kind of lived by the, the, the mantra of if, if change is inevitable, the sooner you get involved with change and, and try to have influence in that change, the better. And if you choose not to, well, then you're assuming the role of the victim and you just take what comes your way. So if that's the case and somebody then wants to, to be part of change, you started talking about two things that happened as a result of this activity in California. And one was the CPP, uh, CPPGA, right? And uh, uh, just go ahead. California Professional Pet Groomers Association, yes. Right, and uh, and to all of the Hey Joe listener audience, just a quick reminder of who we're talking with. We're talking with Terry DiMarino, who is a, uh, an icon in the grooming services industry and a real advocate and, and watchdog uh, for legislation that might be coming our way in the professional grooming space. Um, so you you took it upon yourselves. You've, you formed uh, this, this group, this association. So... Can others in their own state, I know that there are other state associations, but maybe there's somebody out there that can't find their state association or one doesn't exist. So can they start their own? And, 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 and I know this is a much more complex conversation, but just in a nutshell, can you hit the high points on what does it look like to start your own state association or find the one that might already exist? Well, uh, there's a lot of Facebook groups out there that can pull you together. There's also, uh, there are a group of people that are looking to just form a database of state associations, which would be terrific. 
and just being able to, to go into a website. They're, they're working on this to go into a website, click on your state, and find the movers and shakers within that state or an association that might exist. Working together is big. That's it. Some of the smallest states are having some of the biggest uh, discord. So you just have to all go for the same thing. We're all in this boat together. Uh, finding state associations, go on Facebook. That seems to be, the social media seems to be the number one way of finding these, these associations and these, these groups that are working together. And all it takes is just a couple people with, with, a, with some push. That's really it. We saw a desperate need for this. And we were able to pull it together. Uh, California Grooms Association, we are happy to help anyone guide them through uh, the, um, uh, the process of becoming an association. You've got certain liabilities attached to this because it is, it is a statewide association and you're making some, some, move, some, some moves that, uh, uh, that are gonna get attention. So um, getting incorporated is the first step and then applying as a 501c6 tax exempt nonprofit is another, that's not a charity. So what happens is the dues or donations are not tax deductible as a charity, but because they are industry related, your, your, your annual dues would be a um, tax deductible business expense. Any of our corporate sponsors, they write that off as advertising, which is fine. Uh, but you've got to do that. You've got to find out the legal aspect within your state. We will, you have to have a cohesive group because legislators are not going to listen to just people throwing ideas on out. You've got to work together. I cannot emphasize that enough. And this is where a state or a regional association comes in, into play. They will listen to that. They're just, we had a real hard time um, with ourselves getting to be taken seriously by the legislators in the beginning until we suited up, wore all of our pins saying, yes, we're certified by IPG, ISCC, national, we're recognized by these. That started getting their attention. And, and the, we want to be their first phone call when they get something dog grooming related on their desk. Well, and you, in, in, in our show prep, you had mentioned, you know, the difference between being reactive and proactive, and it kind of <laughs> plays right into my, you know, involve yourself early or just assume the role of the victim, right? So what you would recommend it is, listen, go meet your legislators so that at least they have a, a name and a, and a face and a phone number and email, something that when, again, they're only going to react because their constituents, the customers, the pet parents out there have some negative experience, right? And it's not like the legislators are looking for something new to do, that they just don't have anything else to focus on, but they want their constituents to be happy. So you're saying go out and meet these folks. Absolutely. I think one of the shortcomings we have in the industry or in, in anywhere is people are afraid to get involved and they wait for someone else to do something when actually everyone can get involved for their own personal benefit by just learning the legislative process. We can sit back, we watch the 6 p.m. news, we get angry, we get annoyed, but a lot of that is because we just don't know the background on what's going on. So to get involved in an organization may not be your cup of tea, but to at least become educated and knowledgeable on who you're voting for, 
who that legislator is. You're a taxpayer. You may just be Jane Doe, average dog groomer, but you pay taxes, you employ people, you vote. And those are big deals with them. It really, really is because you're paying these guys to do their job. So the sooner that we can educate ourselves on the actual legislative process and what it takes for a law to become a bill, you know, a bill to become a law and go through that process, that's one. And so much of this information can be found on our state governmental sites. Very, very easy to find. Uh, and as you mentioned, learning who our legislators are, who our councilmen are, who our assembly people are, how many people don't even know their district, their senate or their assembly district numbers. And if you do make it to your state capitol, you go knock on their doors and you say, hi, I'm a business person in your district. And I just want to give you a business card. If you ever have any questions here, call me. This is this really, really makes a big impression on these people. Yeah, don't have the agenda going there to start laying out an agenda, but just more so meet and greet, just in case an agenda is happens or something develops in that district. Now they have a contact. Absolutely. The CPPGA, we are just get, uh, becoming, we're waiting for the next legislative session uh, to come on in. We want the time to be right because we're going to paper the desk of every assemblyman and senator in Sacramento with a packet on the CPPGA, who we are, what we do, what our goals are, what our plans are, what we've done, and how we move forward with the pet and the owner in mind and we want to be the first phone call they make in the event that anything dog grooming ever comes across their desk so part of being proactive so remember you had mentioned two things that you did as a result right so in in in, in your time doing this over the course of the last number of years the very first thing you did is that you formed your association the cpp ga uh, uh organization but then the second thing that you did was that you started banding together to create with a group of influential industry people right of all different sizes and shapes the ppgsa standards of care safety and sanitation guidelines so let's talk a little bit about that what is that first go ahead and let us know what all the letters stand for but then tell us okay. what is that what what is this document okay the ppgsa is pet uh, professional pet groomers and stylists alliance and this was a, just an epic meeting of all the groups, I mean, there was a time, I hate to say it, where the certification groups, they didn't even want to talk to each other. They didn't even want to be in the same room with each other, <laughs> if you can believe that. I can uh, believe it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and in with, that, with 969, this got everyone's attention. And when we in California, I mean, it got the attention of PJAC the Pet Industry Joint Advisory Council. And once again, they are our voice. They are the pet industry voice in Washington, D.C. They're the ones that hire the lobbyists. They keep their ear to the ground uh, for any legislative that will affect the pet industry. So with their guidance, and uh, it, was, it was really quite an epic thing that we did, but we got the IP, International Professional Groomers, International Society, uh, Society of Canine Cosmetologists, National Dog Groomers, National Cat Groomers, the Professional Cat Groomers, New Jersey, California, um, Merrifield School, he participated, uh, Petco, PetSmart, Barkley, uh, America's Pet Registry, uh, PJAC, and the WPA. We all sat down and would have meetings, sometimes once a week, 
couple times a week to just hammer out uh, these standards. People were threatened by them in the beginning, if you can believe that. They objected to them. And they said, nobody's going to tell me how to groom a dog. And nothing could be farther from the truth. We don't want to tell anybody how to trim eyebrows or top knots. Style is the last thing on our agenda. What this is is to give a consistency of what is good practices in a salon. Safety, sanitation, and care, just as it says. We have definitions, and uh, surprisingly and, and happily, I might add, this is being used verbatim uh, in some legislation that is being drawn up in some states. So it's giving them, it's giving the legislators something to work for. Instead of them grabbing straws out of the air and listening to the pet owner that's not happy with their haircut or that maybe had a dog that was clipper irritated or have a vet bill for an eye problem, we are physically giving them something to chew on, something to work on and say, this is what we want. Instead of some average pet owner coming up with what they would like to see people, uh, people right. have and no those, and those And those pet owners, those pet parents, they're operating from a very emotional driven platform, a very emotional driven perspective and really a exactly. one-sided. So it's not necessarily saying that they're doing anything wrong. It's just that they, they could be misrepresenting the tone or the temperature of the entire industry. Right. right. And, and listen, mistakes happen. They happen. But, but to your point, this guideline, this, this pledge, if you would, I know you've, you've used that word before, right. this pledge serves legislators, but it also serves pet parents. So to help loop the pet parents in to say, listen, Hold me accountable to these standards. Heck, if I had a grooming salon right now, I might actually put some of these on the wall. Absolutely. The customer doesn't know how much they don't know about our industry, simply said. So everything comes on assumptions. And let me use an example. The New Jersey bill, for instance, uh, a dog died in a salon. Autopsy was never done, okay? Uh, but the first thing people jump on, they assume that the dog got... Um, uh, died in a cage dryer. Oh. All right. Mm -hmm. Has this happened? Unfortunately, we know yes. Mm -hmm. All right. And the standards mm -hmm. cover protocol for that. But the knee jerk reaction of most of this legislation is people want to outlaw cage drying. Okay. Think about that. If we outlaw cage drying, can't do any kind of cage drying, and we have to hand dry everything, how are you going to deal with that man eating lhasa? or that cat that you can't touch. <laughs> Think about that. Very You're true. going to have many, many, many more injured animals and many more injured groomers. But this is what this is what happens is the average pet owner doesn't know how much they don't know about our industry and the first knee jerk reaction is to emotionally deal with um with right. with the situation. Right. And again, it's not that they're not right. I mean, the, the pet parents, I can imagine myself. I can imagine if something happened to my dog. So one of the things that I'm very familiar with is in one of my previous careers, I was in charge of product development and innovation for a, a, a pet products manufacturer. And we would get calls all the time from groomers or even pet parents that said, you know, there was an eye injury as a result of using a shampoo or a particular product or a particular uh, tool or, or such. And most of the time, the pet parents have no other knowledge or no other basis to, 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 to build a platform on other than correlation. So this, my pet just experienced a grooming appointment. So this effect or this problem must've come from that. So 
So causation or correlation does not always mean causation or vice versa. So what I mean by that is they're just going to latch on to whatever it is that's the most recent experience for them and their pet, uh, for the pet parent or for, for the pet. So uh, uh, to your point, it's not necessarily that they're wrong. It's just that they have limited knowledge to base their position on. So, so Terry, these standards of care, right, developed in with, I mean, there, I'm sure there's just, this is a labor of love. I've read this document backwards and forwards, and I think it's phenomenal, phenomenal. And all of our Hey Joe listener audience, um, uh, listeners out there, Terry's going to make a really great offer to you and, and, and make something, uh, make this available to you uh, at the end of the episode. So stay tuned for that. But, but when I look at this, I see that it's a pledge. You've used the words that it's a pledge. So what happens the first time that a shop who's pledged to follow these standards of care, they do something that's against this standard. Does that then uh, diminish the value system-wide among all, let's say that that hits the news media and somebody says, you know, this particular shop pledged to follow these standards and they didn't, does that diminish the value of the standards or does it do just the opposite? No, I, I think it's, uh, now as far as diminishing the standards, I don't think anyone can diminish the standards as whether they follow them or not. Now, if there is an accident in a salon, and he, I'm just reading over a couple things and seeing where I can, uh, I can grab something here, cleaning products and equipment should be made readily available. Well, if someone were to come on in and say, what kind of products you clean with, and they don't have anything, that could raise a bit of a stink with someone. Uh, <laughs> Literally, right? Someone. Cleaning products. I, I see yeah, what you no did there. No kidding. No <laughs> kidding. Okay. Uh, facility dryers. All dryers should be appropriately maintained. Well, if we all know that it's, it's easy, if you don't maintain a dryer, you can have a little fire trap on your hands there. Uh, unless by owner's consent, only one pet may be housed per drying cage compartment. All right. So if you have two in there and all of a sudden you've got an accident with something, you got an accountability there. Mm-hmm. If this is just basically spelling out what should, what can and cannot be done. Uh, pet housing standards. Pets should be able to sit, stand, turn around comfortably in the uh, provided crater enclosure. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Must be adequately ventilated. Enclosures must be of a material that's easy to clean, which eliminates those old-fashioned wood crates that we used so many years ago. Uh, I'm just breezing on down here. This is nothing more than common sense on paper. It really is. Uh, We have actually been accused of not being specific enough, and we purposely are vague in a few areas. So what's Uh, great about what you're saying is that if somebody somebody, uh, violates their own pledge, right? What's really nice about that is it actually then yeah, it's shame for shame on them, and 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 I hope that it was just a, a, a you know an accident or a mishap, and that they correct their ways. And that's and, and most will. I mean, we listen. That's what really great thing about this industry is, for the for the most part, people are the most caring individuals. I've often said we're not in a high tech business; we're in a high touch business, and we're driven by emotion, and we're driven by feelings, and we're driven by passion and experience. But it also then. I think these standards can help separate groomers from those that they might share their market with and people that don't want to adhere to these standards, right? So it's something, I think it's bragging rights, Terry, that, that somebody should say, listen, we adhere to these standards and, and call it out for what it is. It's giving the client 
something to chew on. It's giving them something to see what they would want in a groomer. Uh, funny, I was watching something. I was lurking on a site on Facebook a couple weeks ago, and someone was just absolutely insulted. She had someone call, and this person was interviewing them. She said it was like I was having a job interview. They wanted to know where I learned. They wanted to know what experience I want, had with this breed. They wanted to know how, if they could tour the salon, and I felt like they were, you know, it was a job interview. And I got on there and said, be glad that they asked. We want people to ask this. Uh, there were a couple other people that got in there with the same thing before me. They said, I'm happy to be able to brag. The customers don't know. And this is an opportunity for me to say, I adhere by standards that are in place. Yes, I have this kind of experience with the dog. No, I don't do this kind of breed. Uh, yes, I do uh, have tours of the salon between certain hours. So this is something where it's giving us as groomers, something that we can say, I adhere to these practices. And once again, this is just practices of safety, care, and sanitation. There's no word in there about style at all. So well, and, I'll, and I've been in the I've been in the grooming industry for over 34 years, and I will tell you that I can. I mean, it is. I don't even know if it's ever really even happened. The number one question when a new customer calls is, "How much do you charge?" How much do you charge? And, and of course, now that's a whole separate podcast topic all on its own. But, but yeah. you know, they don't know any other questions to ask. So what I really love about this is that, yeah, it's, it's, putting, it's, putting, uh, it's putting professional groomers uh, uh, on alert, but it's an opportunity back to involve yourself in change as early and as deeply as you possibly can, or you're just a victim. So be proactive and promote that this is just like, you know, I'd love to tell you what, what I charge, but let me tell you a little bit about my experience. And let me tell you a little bit about my salon. And let me tell you a little bit about what other pet parents are saying about us. And then when you deliver what the price is, even if they, sometimes they don't even want to know the price anymore because you've built the value so high up on what it is that you stand for. That price, as long as it's fair, you just got yourself a new customer. Exactly. There are so many groomers, though, that feel that, oh, I'm going to take time out of my day doing this. Uh, this is where a good website comes in handy and a good about us front page right up and right up on top uh, would really help a lot of people. Yes, unfortunately, the first words out of a client's mouth is how much do you charge for a doodle? How much do you charge for a schnauzer? And I can see where some people get frustrated if they're taken off of that. But but these groomers that are frustrated by having to you know, answer other questions, look, you're giving an opportunity for a client to make a decision. It almost puts some responsibility on the pet owner to make the right choice for them and the dog, not just based on price, but based on experience and, or, or learning ability or convenience or whatever else is important to them besides the price factor. You know, Terry, I do plenty of seminars as you do as well. And one of the things I always quiz my audience on, I say, what kind of business are we in? And they say, well, we're in the grooming business or we're in the boarding business or we're in the training business. And some would say, oh, I'm in the customer service business. You know, they think, they, they think they're going to outcraft me, right? But I said, no, you know what business we're in? We're in the peace of mind business. What we sell every day is peace of mind. So Terry, what you're describing in the PPGSA standards of care, safety and sanitation, and everything that you stand for is helping us, under, helping us help the pet parents understand, listen, do business with us. And you can have peace of mind that your cherished fuzzy family member is going to be cared for 
to the utmost of our ability and our accountability. So uh, I applaud you for everything that you've done, not only uh, uh, sharing information, uh, just, just, just this little podcast that we do and, and, and reach a, a, you know, a, a nice listener audience size, but also everything you're doing in the industry to push this education. Because at Paragon School of Pet Grooming, you know, we have that, our mantra, which is education is everything. And we just never stop learning. And things are always going to change. So Terry, personally, involving themselves in change to be more proactive, what can a groomer do themselves personally to get involved? Okay. What I would like to see all groomers do is to put a value on what they have done in their careers so far, education-wise. When, when you're needed because someone has put some legislature out forward and they need your help to write to a legislator or to be proactive, when, if you have nothing, you, you've got, you're scrambling. What you should do tonight, what every groomer should have, is an educational resume of how much time, effort, and money they have put into their business, to their, themselves. How many seminars you attend each year? How much did that cost you? How much did it cost you to set up your business? How much time have you spent sitting in classrooms? How many certifications do you have? These values are what legislators are also going to be looking at, is these people have already put this time, effort, and money into, their, uh, into the education within the industry so that when you are called upon by your state association to stand up and represent, say, either for or against a particular le legislator, you already have everything for yourself in the can. And you can go and say, this is me, this is what I've done, and this is why I believe this is good, bad, indifferent. No, oh, that is great, great advice to do. And listen, if you do that, and you're, you know, if you're a professional groomer out there and you don't think that that list is long enough, maybe ask others to share their list with you. And you might, you might not realize what it is that you can value about yourself. Heck, even listening to podcasts, it's important to say, listen, this is the network of influencers I surround myself with. I just listened to Terry DiMarino. Let me tell you a little bit about her. I don't think Terry's going to have her, her feelings hurt if you drop her name and say, this is what she does. And, I, and I'm, I'm listening to her and taking cues from her as well and, and, you know, and learning. So where is it that you absorb your information? So, so Terry, how do they find your state association? Okay, they can go online. We are www.cppga.org, or they can find us. We have a Facebook page, uh, which is just mainly for us posting events, and anybody can go in and like that Facebook page. And we also have a Facebook group, and that is California Professional Pet Groomers Association, and that is the Facebook group. Now, the club, the actual association itself, you must be a member of, uh, a resident of California uh, in which to join, and everything on there on how to join is right on that website. So, so that is a great way to start, right? So, and, and then from there, then maybe they can search for their own state uh, associations or heck, maybe even form, form their own. But a really great piece of, of, of or really great resource uh, and, 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 and uh, really, I call it a piece of art, really, is the PPGSA Standards of Care Safety and Sanitation Guide. And we're going to provide that to them free, right? You, so you, you've come prepared to provide them a free download of that entire document. 
Well, and for all the Hey Joe listener audience out there, if you're used to going to our website to uh, to tune in to this uh, to this podcast, you can simply also go to paragonpetschool.com and go to the podcast page and find Terry's episode, and we will have a link to the pod to the PDF as well. So uh, there's a variety of different places to get it, but if you're used to going to paragonpetschool.com to uh, to listen to the episodes, you can download it right from that page as well. Now, Terry. Uh, on a little bit of a of a fun kind of semi professional semi casual note, you also have your own podcast, right? So you're you, listen now. You've got now you've got the ear of all of my podcast <laughs> listeners. Tell them about your podcast. Okay, every Monday night at seven o'clock California time, of course. So East Coasters were three hours behind you, but at seven p.m. Uh, we have I do a live stream, so uh, we do a little legislative alert. We do a little state of the industry address, or if there's anything that we have on the radar, we let you know. We do a little mini con- mini um, uh, episode of a little seminar, and we also do a wine review. So we call it Wine Down Monday because you just got to wind down at the end of the day, grab a glass of wine, a beer, a soda, whatever you want, and join us. And uh, well, and our friends really- on the East Coast might have already got a head start on you since they're three hours ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> Very positive. Very possibly. You can go on in to the California Professional Pet Groomers Association Facebook group. And once again, it is a closed group, so you do have to join. Not a problem. As long as you answer the questions and you're a groomer, you're in. It's good. Uh, but we have fun. You've got to have fun. we got to lighten up a little bit. But we have also been able to give a lot of people a lot of information because we are pretty much the watchdogs for legislation within the state of California. And believe me, we have no problem helping people get formed. The biggest question that comes to us is, how do I form an association? And I tell them, you've got to have some, you've got to have a core group of people that are willing and able to do the work. So Terry, what a wealth of knowledge. And you're right, this is a heavy topic, right? So we have to sometimes find the humor and find the fun. Uh, and, and remember that our industry is that high touch and is that that can be very rewarding, which I know I'm preaching to the choir on that one. So again, Hey Joe podcast listeners, if you want to find out everything and everything, anything and everything about how to uh, find the CPPGA uh, information, uh, uh, the PPGSA standards document, the PDF download that Terry's making available to you, and heck, just to find out more information about her Wind Down Monday podcast, remember, visit paragonpetschool.com, find out all of that information, and Terry, thank you so much for carving time out of your busy schedule, but what a great, great topic to educate our listeners on. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. And uh, thank everybody for, for tuning on in.